the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Live from Northern California, it's Lifeline with Craig Roberts. He's the host of Northern California's longest-running conservative talk show. He's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. He's Lifeline's own Craig Roberts. And on tonight's program... Answering the musical question, if a tree falls in the forest and there's no one there to hear it, does it really make a noise? (laughs) Yeah, that's kind of the story of my life these days. Hey, welcome. Good to have you with us on this um, Tuesday, 12th day of October, in case you'd lost track. Craig Robertson, your shell like here, welcoming you into another edition of Lifeline. We're here in the stead each Monday through Friday from 5 until 7 p.m. addressing issues that impact your life and your world, and we're going to hopefully do more of the same. Lots on the agenda tonight. Some of it's going to have to be left to percolate, <laughs> which has more to do with guests with wrong phone numbers. But at any rate, I, I digress. Let's uh, dive in, shall we? And in fact, I'm, I'm looking uh, forward to this next conversation. <laughs> really? <laughs> Tell you what, can we go back to Monday? <laughs> yeah, this has got to be, there's a plot here. There has to be a plot afoot. Okay, well, as I was about to say, I'm hoping to look forward to this next conversation or any one of them that come about at, at this juncture. Oh, dear me. Well, what I was about to uh, to tell you and uh, introduce, ah, by the way, I, should I give this guy's phone number out on the air? I'm almost tempted to, Nate, but we won't, we'll be kind and not do that. We're just going to have to move him into another segment. All right. Let's try this once more with feeling. A subject matter that I think is important for us to discuss tonight, because as there's been all this talk about we need more stimulus, let's get a national infrastructure package put together. The one question that repeatedly has been raised, and it's not one that either Democrats or, frankly, Republicans like to be asked very often, and that is, who exactly is going to pay for all of this? And one of the answers that's come back is everybody that makes over $400,000 a year, you need to pay more in taxes, and we're going to close loopholes. Actually, they didn't say that. Oh, they did say that folks that make over four hundred grand a year should pay more in taxes. But the loophole part? Mm-mm. No, in fact, if anything, this new proposal by the Biden administration um, has even state treasurers and auditors from nearly half of the states concerned, coming out in what they call an invasive administration proposal that would require banks to report more information on the accounts of not the $400,000-a-year-plus earners, but everyday Americans. How much so? Well, I spoke to this briefly late last week. They want to track all of your transactions, Even if you're just transferring money from your checking account to your savings account, if you do that over the course of a year, and it's more than $600, yeah, 
IRS wants to know about all that. Unbelievable. So is this closing tax loopholes to help pay for big infrastructure programs or just a massive spying program on everyday average Americans, collecting more information about you than Carter has tiny pills, as the saying used to go. With some insights, we're joined now by the host of the Bob Zadek Show. He is the long, the host of the longest-running libertarian program anywhere in the nation. You can catch his show locally here in the San Francisco Bay Area every Sunday morning at 8 a.m., the Bob Zadek Show on 860 a.m., and we welcome him to our program tonight. Robert, as always, a pleasure to have you with us. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. And by the way, Craig, your reference to Carter and his pills, you know I'm the only one of your listeners who knows what you're talking about. Um, <laughs> oh, I suspect there might be several of us put together. No, but <laughs> no. They you're talking about maybe Jimmy Carter. And wait a minute, he was a peanut farmer. He wasn't. He didn't do. He wasn't a pharmacist. That was Hubert Humphrey. That's right. But, um, <laughs> That's right. Well, we we've we've confused the all here. And, and speaking of confusion, yeah. boy, this, this new proposal being put forward by the Biden administration, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, and, and what appears to be a boondoggle is we're heading up, you know, above $30 trillion in federal debt. And if that isn't egregious enough, and, you know, even if folks listening to us right now agree to the notion that fat cats that make millions of dollars every year should pay more in taxes, I can't believe that anybody thinks that this proposal to have banks... Lending institutions, um, I, I, I suppose this is going to include just every every aspect of the financial system in America. Reporting back to the IRS on your activities, if they total more than $600 a year, has got to have everybody wondering, are we just going to do what? Completely succumb to every level of, of uh, violation of, of privacy in this country? Craig, there is so much... Um, there's so much we could say about this just to start the ball rolling um, and to set the right tone for this evening's chat. Uh, Thomas Jefferson cautioned us, and I'll quote, the natural progress of things is for liberty to yield and government to gain ground. Well, isn't that what's going on now? It is the natural progress of things, as Jefferson cautioned. Now, the government wants... Um, let's discuss the, the proposal. The proposal is built into the $3.5 trillion bill. Uh, bill means uh, uh, bill, not yet a law. Now, uh, Janet Yellen loves it. Janet Yellen is uh, an autocrat. The uh, supreme autocrat. He wants government to run every part of your life. She has no concept of freedom whatsoever, except for herself and for those who are above her in government. Uh, but putting that aside, let's keep the ad hominem accounts to a minimum. Let's not eliminate them, but let's keep them to a minimum. Uh, what does the government want to do? The government says, no big deal. We just want to track movements of money. We're not looking at what Craig Roberts is doing. We want to look at the trends and what's going on. Of course, we don't believe that, nor should we believe that, lest we be accused of being terminally naive. No, they want to know what's going on because 
that's how the government thrives. Like they want to register guns. No, we don't want to take them away. We just want to license it like a driver's license, like an order registration. No, no. They want to register guns and they know where to find them when they want to confiscate them. Makes it easier. So, no, we're not just an innocent, benign government who want to collect statistical data anonymously. We want to know what Craig Roberts is doing with his money. So it's offensive beyond belief. Um, now they say we want to we just want to make sure people uh, obey the law. And I understand that they want to make sure there's no tax evasion, but they're making a mistake. Tax evasion is essential. Now, we have speed limits in this country, and basically the country, uh, as drivers, we have no objection to speed limits, but we know the speed limit is 60. We know we can do 70, and no one's going to care. We know the government cuts us some slack. If the government would enforce speed limits of 61 miles an hour, there would be a revolution in this country. So the government has to um, cut people slack so for the people to accept the laws in general. Now, when you have a tax rate of, let's say, um, 20%, I don't even, 28%, I don't even know what the low tax rate is, but let's say it's 28%. Uh, within that tax rate, everybody knows, well, if they... If they had a little side business going on for cash, they would keep the cash. And um, the government knows that's going on. And people are, it's a little bit easier to pay 28% of your taxable income if the government cuts you a little slack. And whether you're mowing somebody's lawn as a teenager and not reporting that income, if teenagers in fact mow lawns these days, it's been a long time since I was a teenager, don't know what teenagers do exactly, but whatever they do for money, maybe they write code. Um, if they put the money, no one is gonna be offended. Now, imagine, uh, which means you can accept a certain tax rate because built into the tax rate is a little bit of un black market um, cash economy. It sort of, it makes everybody more accepting of tax rates if they know, well, I can make a couple of thousand dollars a year and not pay taxes. Uh, so that's built into the system. Once you eliminate that lubrication in the system by allowing people to have small side businesses, not allowing people to, to uh, have hundreds of thousands of dollars a year of hidden income, but the small stuff, the stuff the government is targeting. The fact that people have that to help them get by, it's part of the system. It's baked into the rate. And when government quotes a tax rate of 28% for the low end, government has, that's 28% of what we know about, and we know this stuff that just goes on and it's built into the system. Once you tell the, the lower income people, you're gonna lose that loophole, if you will, it's the same thing as giving everybody a tax increase because now you don't get the first $600 is sort of tax-free. So now it's a tax rate. Uh, putting aside how intrusive it is, it just it costs people more tax dollars to live here. 
and therefore it's a tax rate with all of the negativity that comes to the tax rate. And lastly, Craig, just to get us going here, the government wants to know what's happening in your checking account over $600 a year. Well, everybody moves more than $600 a year in and out. That's $50 a month. So that means everybody. Imagine if Janet Yellen said, okay, Craig, we now have a statute that when you, if you get a printed copy of your bank statement from the bank, you must take that printed statement, statement, put it in an envelope, and mail it to Washington. Every month, you have to mail your bank statement. Not only that, Craig, if we don't get it, we can come to your house without a warrant and say, show us that bank statement. You would be so offended. You're going to come to my house on a Saturday morning without a warrant, under no suspicion that I'm doing anything wrong, just because I have a pulse and ask me to show you my bank statement or you're going to arrest me, even though there's no suspicion. That violates every, every principle of citizen-government relationship, going back to the Magna Carta. So nobody would stand for that if you had to show them, mail your bank statement every month to the government. But it's the same thing. They're saving you the trouble of mailing it. They're saying, no, no, you don't have to mail it. We'll, we'll just look at it because the bank will give it to us. How offensive is that? It's not their darn business what's in my bank statement. It's not their business unless they have a warrant. And that's what's going on. And th if they attempt to do it, I dare say there will be a rising up of complaints against that. The government is insensitive. They're so removed from everyday people. They are unaware of how that will touch a nerve. That will be like taxing tea in revolutionary America. It will touch a nerve. So the government will back down, I think, unless, the, unless they have a death wish. Well, your your observation, I think, Bob, is right on the money because it, it, this is so egregious, particularly when you understand that the requirement here would force financial institutions of all sort, that's your credit union, your bank, whatever, to annually report to the IRS all inflows and outflows from, get this, all business and personal accounts if the amounts exceed at least $600 in a year. As Bob Zadek points out, it's $50 a month. Who doesn't? The poorest on the planet probably move around more than $50 in a month. And now the minutia of everything that you do, every aspect of your financial life laid bare for the IRS to pick through because they're trying to close a income gap going to the IRS to help pay for a $3.5 trillion infrastructure bill, one to which we've been told by many experts that is not only unnecessary at this point to try and, quote-unquote, stimulate the economy, but will only put this nation even further in debt, not as if anybody in Washington, D.C. pays attention to such matters, because kicking the can down the road is what this Congress, the last Congress, and undoubtedly the next Congress, are experts at.
So is this a way to try and catch the multimillionaire tax cheats or simply spy on average Americans? At the end of the day, as Bob Zadek is suggesting, this is just a great way to keep bureaucrats extremely busy. And Biden, by the way, has already talked about providing up to $80 billion in additional monies to the IRS over the next decade so we can hire more investigators, get more audits going. We want to make sure that we put as heavy a burden of taxes on even the smallest of Americans we possibly can. And what else would explain suggesting that you need to not not keep an eye on people that have, you know, $600,000 worth of activity in their banking account over a year. It might raise some suspicion. Maybe you're doing a little money laundering here. And not, not even 60000 not even 6000 but just $600. Really, is this country that cash-strapped and <laughs> $30 trillion in debt? I guess it is. But is it is it that cash-strapped that it wants to spy on whether or not you move 50 bucks around in a given month, if this really what it's come down to? Well, if that be the case, boy, the riot on the 6th of January, which I didn't agree with, would look like child's play compared to the massive spying and the reaction I think that most Americans and the IRS would deservedly be on the receiving side of should this actually become law. We'll talk more about the constitutional aspects of this. Bob Zadek with us, and he, of course, is the host of the nationally syndicated Bob Zadek Show, heard locally in the Bay Area on 860 AM, The Answer, Sunday mornings at 8 AM. More information on these and other compelling issues that Bob wrestles with with great guests every week. Check out his website at bobzadek.com, B-O-B-Z-A-D-E-K.com. Let's get you an update on traffic quickly. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. And today, helping to answer the question, when is more investigatory and spying power granted to the IRS, a healthy way to pursue tax cheats, particularly amongst the wealthy, to close a multi-trillion dollar budget gap, a good thing for Americans? Answer, never. With us today is Bob Zadek, host of The Bob Zadek Show, the longest-running libertarian radio show in the country. You can catch him here locally in the Bay Area Sunday mornings at 8 a.m. on 860 a.m. The Answer. We're talking about this new proposal that's had uh, some resounding support, even from the likes of Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen, whom we would think should know better, calling this something that's not going to place any additional obligation on taxpayers. Yeah, but it gives the IRS not only more information, but every detail of your financial life. And so how we're going to catch uh, tax cheats, we want to close a $600 billion uh, supposed uh, gap in what's owed versus what's reported. And this is how we're going to do it, $600 accounts at a time. What I find most egregious here, Bob, is not just reporting all this information, but even if you're innocently just moving money from yourself to yourself, a lot of folks will have, for example, an automatic deposit from their paycheck at work, go into their checking account, and then they'll sweep a little bit and put it into a savings account. Maybe they're trying to educate a child, buy a house, something of that sort. If I do more than $50 a month in moving from my checking account to my savings account, that too gets reported to the IRS. I mean, how this isn't Orwellian in nature and Big Brother in every aspect in their minds is beyond me. Or is that part of the purpose here? 
It's, I don't know if it's part of the purpose, um, but you might be onto something, Craig. But there is another aspect of this reporting that hasn't been discussed very much, except on shows with foresight like yours right now. Um, and here's what I'm referring to. If the government is going to collect information, that means it's going to use it. And it's going to look at this information which is going to tell them money is moving around that they don't really understand. And what they're going to do is they're going to invite you down for a visit because they don't understand stuff. And the information will produce what is known in statistics as false positives. It's going to suggest something is going on, but it's really not. And you'll be dragged down to an IRS uh, officer, and you're going to be asked questions. Craig, please explain this transaction. And you will say, oh, it's my sister. You'll give an explanation. And they'll say, oh, okay, makes sense. Thank you very much. But that means you've taken off a half a day from work or a day from work, maybe hired a professional to help you because you're frightened, as you should be, and you will then leave even more angry at your government than you were before the experience. So it adds yet another profoundly negative experience to a citizen's contact with her government, which is unhealthy for civic life in America. More and more people will get more and more angry because they felt like they were a criminal and they were not. So no good can come of this except anger. And how much can they possibly catch? These are by definition small transactions. So let's imagine they do discover Craig, that you've been mowing lawns for cash and you haven't been reporting it on your Schedule C tax return. So they collect from you a couple of hundred dollars in back taxes, plus a fine and plus interest. How much, you know, there's a cost involved in collecting tax dollars. Uh, and imagine how much it will cost to collect tax dollars on these marginal transactions because these transactions are not per se taxable. They have to learn that they are. And many of the transactions will not be proven taxable. So the government will be wasting their time and instead of investigating large schemes which are produce large um, gaming of the system, they're a they're attacking people who can least afford it with false positives with a very low return on the investment. It's just bad business. Yeah, well, you beyond know? that, Bob, and I, 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 I'm eager to get your insight on the political dynamic here. Let me just shift the dialogue for, for a quick moment. Part of the hue and cry by Democrats going into not just the election last year, but since Biden took over in January, is this notion that, well, Donald Trump and the Republicans passed this massive tax break that 
benefited corporations, that benefited the wealthy, and practically speaking, did nothing to help the little guy. This is egregious. This is unfair. We need to make the wealthy pay their fair share. They start quoting what Elon Musk makes. They quote what Jeff Bezos makes and use that as a demonstration as to how the Democrat Party is going to help the little guy. And then when they have an opportunity to do something, do they come along and say, we're going to provide additional tax relief for the little guy? No, instead they say, well, one way we're going to close this gap here is we're going to catch the tax cheats. And to do that, we're going to spy on every American and any transaction that is $600 or more in the year we want to know about. Now, if it gets any littler guy than that at $50 a month, I, I don't know how any smaller it can possibly get. I, is there a a disconnect from reality that what the Democrat Party sees and complains about, they turn around and instead of doing what they say is correcting this egregious tax reduction done in 20, I think passed in 2017 or 2018, instead they're going to fix it by punishing the very people that they purport wanting to help. Well, of course, it is insanely bad politics. Um, they're attacking their base. Um, it makes no sense, whatever. Plus, to, my, to me, Craig, they know this, and this shows such utter desperation. When you're down to scrounging around for pennies out of people who can not afford it to balance your budget, wouldn't it make more sense to try something different like spend less and leave the little people, um, the people who make the lowest amount of income, leave them alone, let them let them earn, as they always did, some money off the books. Everybody knows, everybody knows somebody who is carrying on a cash business, and we don't extras, we don't um, extricate, exercise them, ostracize them from our community. They are still our friends. We don't disrespect them. It's part of life. And now they are attacking that part of life, they are doing so out of utter desperation. I think they know how dangerous it is, and yet they have no choice. They simply cannot find the money they want to transfer. To me, it is a sign of utter desperation and stupidity. Well, and you know the old saying, Bob, desperate people do desperate things, and this certainly is a demonstration of that, and, and you're right. You know, Instead of looking at ways in which we can try to reorder our spending and do less of it, I don't know, maybe like live within our means, we on average, since such matters were kept track of going back to the late 70s, early early 80s when we basically had no budget deficit to where we're at today, $30 trillion in debt. We have managed every year for the last 41 years to spend $500 billion more than we've taken in every single year. Now, if Bob Zanek or I tried to do that, if you tried to do that, spend 500000 more than what you take in, 50000 five grand more than what you earn every year you spend. You will quickly get yourself in such a deep hole, there's no way to extricate yourself from that. Sadly, this is where Congress has brought us. Instead of exercising a little bit of discipline and setting an example, no, we're going to go after the small guy 
and demonstrate at the end of the day, you know what? I, I And I've often said this in recent years, this is less about conservatives and liberals, Democrats and Republicans. It's more like the people of the United States, the taxpayers, the family folks, you and me, against this monstrosity that's occurred called Congress. Bob Zedek will tackle this issue, many others in his show, every Sunday morning at 8 a.m. on 860 a.m. The Answer. We invite you to tune in for The Bob Zedek Show. Check him out online. You can get access to information about past guests, podcasts, other resources, too, by going to bobzadek.com. That's B-O-B-Z-A-D-E-K.com. And our thanks to Bob Zadek for being with us on this edition of Lifeline. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Hard to believe, but uh, in this particular uh, decade, we are approaching the 100th anniversary of the controversial Scopes Monkey Trial, which brought into sharp focus the debate between the viewpoint of creationism versus the theory of evolution. And I underscore that because it remains a theory, although oftentimes, sadly, in public schools, it's not taught as theory, but rather as fact. I have my own theory on the theory. You want to hear it? You're listening to the radio. You have no choice. (laughs) Well, I guess you could turn me off. Don't do that because you're going to be interested in hearing what our next guest has to say about it. But here's my theory. I think that in large part, this is not true of all, but it might be in the case of Charles Darwin, maybe others too, that much of this is not necessarily seeking truth about how man came to be or seeking even a, 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 a sense of our origins, but rather a justification for our desire to eliminate God from the equation. Because let's face it, if we can figure out a way into how we came to be that doesn't involve God, no God, therefore, no God to offend, no God to offend, no punishment for sin, no hell. Evolution isn't, therefore, in my opinion, an answer to how mankind came to be, but rather a get-out-of-jail card. Let's find out what our guest tonight has to say. By the way, he's going to be speaking at a special event this weekend, and there's still time to make reservations. He'll be at Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. This coming Saturday from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. at a very special workshop, an opportunity to really kind of dig deep into this subject matter and and not only understand more about this debate between evolution versus creationism, but most importantly, as Scripture exhorts us, how to be ready to give an answer for the hope that lies within. Joining me is Dr. Brian Thomas, research scientist with the Institute for Creation Research. And Dr. Thomas, thanks so much for being with us tonight. Well, thanks for having me on. Way back in the day, um, Dr. Henry Morris, who founded your organization, used to be a frequent guest on this program. And it's, I think it's critical and impelling subject matter because, let's face it, our kids are being exposed to this in public schools every day. And, and, uh, and I have to wonder, in, from your perspective, and I know you're, you're approaching this more from a scientific standpoint than necessarily a theological standpoint, but nevertheless, does it make sense that part of this effort from Darwin's theory of evolution, what was it, the origin of the species written back in the 1850s, seems to, at least around the periphery, have a feeling like we're just trying to deny God's existence here. Well, I really like what you had to say right there in the opening. Now, I would not have liked to hear what you had to say back when I believed in evolution. I would have denied it, but now I don't. Now I think you're completely correct. And there's not, there's not a strong um, search for, you know, objective, like, 
Like, every, is this everyone, you know, is this these scientists are not people, and instead they're all robots, and we just follow the evidence exactly where it leads? That's bogus. We're humans, and we have sin. And so uh, the, the sinful nature within us taints and colors those kinds of scientific questions we even want to ask in the first place. Uh, and so, yes, I've come to believe uh, in what the Bible says about who we are and not what speculations of my secular colleagues say uh, about where we came from. So I'm excited to be, uh, to be in uh, San Bruno and, uh, and to share my story of conversion from evolution to creation. And I know you're going to div- dig much deeper into many of these issues, so th- this conversation here today is almost just a sort of a tease, and I would encourage listeners to get more information about your Bay Area visit. You can go to highlands.us to get more information and uh, make your reservations online. and get at highlands.us. Dr. Brian Thomas will be speaking this coming Saturday from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., and uh, in the cost of your registration, which is uh, nominal, Really, uh, it even includes lunch, so it's a great deal and a great educational opportunity this Saturday, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. at Church of the Highlands, 1900 Monterey Drive in San Bruno. Again, information on the web at Highlands. U.S. Uh, one thing I've always found from a scientific standpoint, and maybe you can shed some light on this, Dr. Thomas, you know, there, there's this presentation in the theory of evolution that we can look at certain changes in species to demonstrate that evolution continues to this day. And of course, in the case of, of uh, Charles Darwin, he, he made that famous, perhaps infamous trip to the Galapagos Islands off the coast of Ecuador, he observed some changes or mutations in finch beaks. And out of that seems to be, in my opinion, an awfully huge leap. It isn't to deny that there have not been some mutations, but isn't it a bit of a jump to then turn dust into complex planet capable of sustaining life if we suggest that this was what just a big bang and and all of a sudden we have not only the creation of life but then mutations that can get us from a monkey or an ape into mankind i mean that just seems to be a far-fetched field well it seems to be that uh, it seems to be far-fetched because it 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 objectively is far-fetched i mean you if you run the numbers and my colleagues have done that um, you find out that there's not enough time to get all the mutations that you need in order to transform, say, a monkey into a human or something silly like that. Uh, it doesn't happen in nature today. But as you say, little shifts do happen in nature in creatures, specific shifts, however. And I love talking about the Galapagos and especially the Geospita, genus name for the finches there on the Galapagos. And uh, modern uh, genetics research has revealed, I'll just let you know and your listeners, that uh, the the beak shift, it it, it does go from skinny long beak to short thick beak, okay? And it shifts and alternates between generations, okay? But that doesn't mean you can go from no beak to having a beak, and that's what evolution needs. Evolution needs a mechanism to go from not bird to bird, but what we have instead is a bird with an adjustable beak. And it turns out, geneticists have recently discovered that the that there's a there's a program, there's an algorithm inside the the finch genetic code um, that uh, that that does the shifting. And so it, the the bird itself is adjusting its own beak shape, and then there's really no mutations involved. So all the credit for this 
ought to belong to the designer of the finch and its adjustable beak. It ought to belong to the Lord Jesus who did the designing. Some actual designer, not nature who is, which is incapable of designing anything except making a mess. And I'm glad they bring that up because that kind of sets up the, the, the next part of our dialogue after a quick uh, update here on traffic. And, and that is to look at this notion of the necessity for a designer of some sort. Now, some people will say, well, we won't go as far as to call it a deity or a being, but we will call it intelligent design. And I'm okay with that. Uh, there's much to be said about looking at things like Michael Behe's um, concept of irreducible design of the so-called bacterium flagellum, which is indicative of this notion that there had to have been some sense of intelligence. And the one thing that's always fascinated me and maybe you can answer this question for us, Dr. Thomas, after the break, and that is, if we follow with the theory of the so-called Big Bang, that one day there was an explosion of matter, where the matter came from, we don't have an answer to that, but there was an explosion of matter, and suddenly we have all of this organization. We have complex living cells. And I think to myself in modern day terms, well, if out of chaos comes organization, then how come when, for example, we lay sticks of dynamite below a building and we blow the building up, why when the dust settles don't we find a different kind of building? Why doesn't the building get blown up and suddenly become an apartment complex when it used to be a office building. Now, I realize there's a level at which that's a little bit ridiculous, but in the broader theoretical picture here that's being painted through things like the, the promotion of the Big Bang Theory that seems to suggest the same kind of miracle afoot, that out of chaos comes organization. But where do we find other examples of that? We're going to come back to that question and more. Dr. Brian Thomas with us tonight, research scientist with the Institute for Creation Research. A fascinating presentation that he'll be making this coming Saturday at Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. It runs from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., and they're located at 1900 Monterey Drive right there in San Bruno. Easy on, easy off from either the 101 or the 280, and you can get more information online at highlands.us. This is something that children should be exposed to now. Adults need to be re-educated on because a lot of us have forgotten many of the facts. And it's great ammunition to be able to engage in helpful give and take and dialogue with those around us that have questions and, and, and legitimately so about man's origins to help better gain an understanding of how to give that answer for the hope that lies within. We'll take a time out back to more of our conversation with Dr. Brian Thomas as Lifeline continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Back to our conversation, Dr. Brian Thomas with the Institute for Creation Research. He's a research scientist there. He's got a fascinating presentation that he'll be sharing this coming Saturday from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. with lunch provided at Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. And to get more information and make reservations, simply go online to highlands.us. That's highlands.us. Or you can call the church directly at 650 873 40 
All right, I kind of set up a a couple of scenarios, uh, Dr. Thomas, just before the break. Um, One, I'd love to have you answer. Big Bang Theory. So big explosion, and out of all that chaos comes this incredible level of organization. Where do we find other examples of that within the world, within history, or do we? Uh, Yeah, good question. Uh, You know, the first time I was posed with that question, was when I read the first chapter of, of, of a book um, that uh, you mentioned his name, the founder of the Institute for Creation Research, Dr. Henry Morris, and he wrote a book called Scientific Creationism. I did not like the title. At the time, I believed in evolution, and I thought, well, I'm going to just prove this wrong. And I opened up the book, and the first chapter was titled Chaos or Cosmos. I think it was the first chapter. It's been several years, but... I remember thinking, what's the, what does he mean? What's the, why do we have to juxtapose chaos with a cosmos? And he went through in that chapter and described just from science, quoting no Bible verses, uh, which persuaded me uh, and was very helpful to me as a, as a scientific mind, even back then. Um, it showed that uh, there, is no, there is no example of, I like the way you put it, organization coming from chaos it it doesn't where does that happen today i know that nowhere the only place and time and circumstance that we see in this real world organization and by that we mean um different uh different parts pieces put together for a purpose and the different parts and pieces have the right size shape sequence and position to 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 serve a purpose and so we see a purposeful uh, uh, cosmos. We don't we don't see the chaos. So if Big Bang is really where we came from, then then why can we even see stars? Why are there stars? Why why are there even planets? Why are the planets organized into galaxies and galaxies into galactic clusters? And why not just a massive blob of randomly scattered? quarks and gluons and whatever other words you want to throw out there. Instead, we have all this cosmos, and of course, it speaks to the Creator who made it for the purpose of, of uh, glorifying Himself, showing how great He is, and pointing all of us to Him. You know, what's fascinating about this, uh, Dr. Thomas, is the notion of the the complexity of it all. If we see what goes on in the petals of a rose or in the design of an orchid or in the human body, uh, all of us should be absolutely amazed at something even as basic, quote-unquote, as the body's ability to heal itself and restore itself. I mean, the complexity is fascinating. So if the notion of the Big Bang Theory really blows up the idea that you had this Big Bang and resulted in all this level of of, of uh, complexity and organization. Then let's just take the opposite, and and this leads to maybe you can quickly touch on uh, Michael Behe's work with the uh, this concept of of irreducible design. That even something as fundamentally basic as the bacterium flagellum, when he looked at that and said, "Okay, it's like a mouse trap. If we take one little component out, it ceases to be what it is." How did just natural chaos figure out a way to have that level of complexity, even in something so so basic? And, 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 and that's, I think, one of the fascinating equations that, unfortunately, the Darwinian uh, evolutionary uh, theory, or, or even the Big Bang theory, for that matter, 
utterly and completely fails to answer. It does. It does. And but it you know it takes it takes someone willing to consider these concepts to uh, you know to, to to reach that conclusion. And and so as I as I um, look forward to telling my story of how I went from evolution to creation um, this coming weekend in in San Bruno Church of the Highlands, um, I. I get to tell the, you know, I'm going to arrange it around five personal discoveries. Now, one of those discoveries, I've had more than five, but I'm only going to share five because time is limited, right? But one of those, more, an additional one beyond those five would be uh, what you're talking about with with um, irreducible complexity. That's the phrase that Michael Behe used. And um, But like you said, it's all or nothing. And it turns out that we have all-or-nothing systems all over the place, uh, even in astronomy. Um, the Earth-Moon-Sun system is an all-or-nothing system. If you adjusticate one, uh, I made up a word, adjusticate. Uh, <laughs> if you adjust one too far beyond um, specific parameters, then you don't get life. Um, you can't sustain life with this system. Um, and, and then, of course, in the bacterial flagellum, if you adjust if you remove just one of several parts, you don't get a flagellum, and then the bacteria can't swim, and then it it stagnates and dies. And and of course, um, uh, uh, so so this so all this what what we're getting at is what Romans chapter one speaks of when it says that the invisible qualities of God have been made known through that which He has made. And so we just want to sharpen our focus and remind ourselves of the uh, like you say. This the overwhelmingly obvious design um, that nature itself cannot produce, and give the credit back to the creator and where I, it belongs. And, and exactly right. And, and I think what's encouraging about this, and, and why I want to encourage listeners to uh, to make every effort to be there for the workshop on Saturday, is this is not a check your intelligence or your brains at the door. This is all about faith. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Uh, this is not, let's take a look at what the Bible has to say, though that's very important. But this is allowing science, allowing science to speak for science, speak for the truth. And at the end of the day, if you go in with an open mind, guess what science does? Science proves that the scriptural account is accurate. Who'd have thunk it? There's going to be an opportunity to not only hear Dr. Thomas's own personal story. He'll spend some time talking about dinosaurs, which, of course, is of always interest to to the kids. Um, we're going to talk a bit about uh, uh, apes and Adam, and is there a lineage collection? I, I've sometimes said for those evolutionists out there, if they want to believe that they came from apes, you know what? I'm okay with that. Just don't add me to that list. It's going to be a fascinating half day. There's going to be lunch um, and uh, study materials included in your $10 per person registration. It's a great deal, a great educational opportunity. This Saturday, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. at Church of the Highlands. That's at 1900 Monterey Drive. They're in San Bruno. Details, reservations online. Just go to highlands.us. That's highlands.us. 
Us. Our thanks to Dr. Brian Thomas, who will be the keynote speaker this Saturday at Church of the Highlands. Information about his good work at the Institute for Creation Research at icr.org. We appreciate Dr. Thomas being with us tonight. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.